0: Welcome, everybody, to Socratica Reads. My name is Kimberly Hatch-Harrison, and I'm the co-founder of Socratica. You probably know us for our futuristic educational videos, including how to program in Python, SQL, or SQL. We also have a course we're launching on Mathematica. But the big news to a lot of programmers is what's going to happen now that there are some generative AI out there in the wild, like ChatGPT. What does that mean for programmers if there's an artificial intelligence system that can do your job faster? Well, there's a literary genre tailor-made for helping us think about the impact technological advances have on human society. Science fiction. We spend a lot of time on this podcast thinking in terms of sci-fi because we're sort of a forward-thinking company. Our goal is to create the tools you'll need to be an educated person now, but also going forward. That's going to require a little flexibility. I wonder if some of this anxiety about the future and people feeling obsolete explains why so many people have been recommending the book, The Three-Body Problem to me. So I read it and it just did not do it for me. I was interested for a few reasons. Um, It's partly set during the Cultural Revolution in China, and I came up in science working with some people who experienced it firsthand, and it was just as tragic as you might imagine. So there's one appealing aspect of the book. For science fiction fans, how do you reconcile humans who are so creative and capable of having beautiful visions of the future turning on each other and demonizing the very people who would help us move forward into the future? Anti intellectualism is a pretty scary thing for a scientist. It's like our real life boogeyman. It really exists. We've seen it happen again and again. Now, what if there was an outside influence? Who had immense power and could shut down these curious people, take away all their initiative. They lose heart completely. These are some of the ideas explored in The Three-Body Problem, and these ideas are intriguing and meaningful to me. But it's just not a very good book. It's just not well written. I don't think it's a translation issue. There's a lot of great English translations of books from various other languages. It's just so wooden, I can't even pick a passage that's interesting to share with you. So what do you do when everyone is talking about a hot book and you feel so disappointed by it? My response is to pick up a different book. If you're interested in thinking about the future of humanity and what happens to scientific inquiry or technological advancements in the face of what appears to be a superior force, and some of you are being forced to consider this because GPT is coming for your job, I'd like to recommend Childhood's End by Arthur C. Clarke. This book asks the question, what will we do when we are presented with the tools that answer all of our questions? Will we mature intellectually, level up, or will we devolve? Will we stop thinking and exploring? The caterpillar life has to end for there to be butterflies. There will be people who say, oh, the three-body problem is hard sci-fi. Yes, I don't have a problem with that, but it's not enough to just list interesting technical ideas and call it a book. We don't care unless it gives us an experience. Good novel writing includes the human, human emotions, human senses. If you ever wonder why a piece of writing isn't grabbing you, have a look at how it tells the story. Is it just an info dump? Or does it actually take you someplace? Does it help you understand by placing you there, seeing the situation through someone else's eyes? Do you get to hear what they hear? Or feel what they feel? Now in this book, Childhood's End, there are many technical details, But they are also beautiful passages, so I'm going to pick one almost at random, and I hope it entices you to pick up this book, which is a good book. Are you ready? Let's begin. The lights went on in the tiny metal cylinder as soon as Jan had closed the inner door of the lock. He allowed himself no time for second thoughts, but began immediately upon the routine check he had already worked out. All the stores and provisions had been loaded days ago. But a final recheck would put him in the right frame of mind by assuring him that nothing had been left undone. An hour later, he was satisfied. He lay back on the sponge-rubber couch and recapitulated his plans. The only sound was the faint whirr of the electric calendar clock which would warn him when the voyage was coming to its end. He knew that he could expect to feel nothing here in his cell. For whatever tremendous forces drove the ships of the Overlords must be perfectly compensated. Sullivan had checked that, pointing out that his tableau would collapse if subjected to more than a few gravities. His clients had assured him that there was no danger on this score. There would, however, be a considerable change of atmospheric pressure. This was unimportant, since the hollow models could breathe through several orifices. Before he left his cell, Jan would have to equalize pressure, and he had assumed that the atmosphere inside the Overlord ship was unbreathable. A simple face mask and oxygen set would take care of that. There was no need for anything elaborate. If he could breathe without mechanical aid, so much the better. There was no point in waiting any longer. It would only be a strain on the nerves. He took out the little syringe, already loaded with the carefully prepared solution. Narcosamine had been discovered during research into animal hibernation. It was not true to say, as was popularly believed, that it produced suspended animation. All it caused was a great slowing down of the vital processes, though metabolism still continued at a reduced level. It was as if one had banked up the fires of life, so that they smoldered underground. But when, after weeks or months, the effect of the drug wore off, they would burst out again and the sleeper would revive. Narcosamine was perfectly safe. Nature had used it for a million years to protect many of her children from the foodless winter. So Jan slept. He never felt the tug of the hoisting cables, as the huge metal framework was lifted into the hold of the overlord freighter. He never heard the hatches close, not to open again for 300 million million kilometers. He never heard, far off and faint, through the mighty walls, the protesting scream of Earth's atmosphere as the ship climbed swiftly back to its natural element. And he never felt the star drive go on. So we just went on a journey with this character Jan. We saw what he saw. We heard what he heard. We had an experience, even though this is hard sci-fi. Yes? Well, my Socratica friends, I hope you are feeling like a hopeful explorer. If you'd like to discuss these ideas with other curious people, our Discord server is open to all of our patrons from Patreon and our YouTube channel members. Thanks for listening.